I think it's a really exciting time for the Anadi Center in particular because I feel as though the need is is so evident. I think this particular moment and all of the challenges that we face really demonstrate the ways in which our world is absolutely interconnected and we must approach knowledge building and expertise by drawing upon global examples and global knowledge. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Rachel Beatty-Riedel, the new director of Cornell's Mario Einaudi Center for International Studies, illuminates the center's new Migrations Initiative, as well as her investigations as a scholar and podcast host into life and politics on the African continent. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. On today's show, we are joined by Rachel Beatty-Riedel, the new director of Cornell's Mario Anaudi Center for International Studies and professor in the Department of Government. We will talk about the new Migrations Initiative and other events and programs at the Anaudi Center. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. So you started at a really interesting uh, time at the Anaudi Center. You actually started remotely and then joined in the middle of a pandemic. Wonderful times to start a new position. We are so thrilled to have you at Cornell. Can you talk a little bit about your background and your research and your path with languages? Absolutely. Um, Actually, it's truly language that... Um, sent me on my current journey. And um, I really credit that in terms of thinking not only about my research interests, but also um, the ways in which I'm able to observe the political world around me. So I was about to study abroad. I was an undergraduate at the University of Wisconsin, and I was trying to decide where to go. And I wanted to go to a place that was Um, politically vibrant and dynamic and a place where I thought I would grow and learn a lot. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to um, continue to be able to use um, French, which I had studied in high school and had been continuing in undergraduate. So I was looking at the program offerings and I decided to go to Senegal for the year. And um, because in that program, the, all of the university courses were offered in French. And so it was really a life-changing moment, and I you know, tell students this all the time in terms of thinking about the ways in which particular choices can set you on a path in terms of what you know, what you observe, and how you think about the world around you mm. and your interests and how they develop in, in those moments. Um, and what was really fascinating about the um, time in Senegal was that not only was I using French on a daily basis in terms of um, communicating with uh, people at the university, but um, it was also an intensive study in Wolof, which is basically the lingua franca, you know, in Uh terms of markets and transportation and greetings. Um, So we had an intensive um, component of language study in Wolof as well. And so it was really a way in which understanding language helped you communicate with the people around you to understand more deeply their lives, their thought processes, um, 
what they wanted to express to each other and to you. And so it was really a way in which language deeply touched me to be able to observe the society and politics I was um, immersed in, but also um, in the ways in which how language is expressed differently um, allows us to think about how our linguistic ideas and framing shape even how we think about the world. Um, and so that was really um, a very enriching experience. And then from there, being able to kind of pull on some independent research that I did in Senegal on opposition parties and the role of opposition parties in a place where a dominant party had only ever won since elections had been um, implemented mm-hmm. uh, following independence in 1960. So um, that really continued to spur my interests um, through graduate school in political science. And today I still study the ways in which democracy and political systems more generally do or do not represent the will of the people and how people organize into political entities to make demands upon um, the government. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fascinating. So at the Ainaudi Center, there is a new initiative um, related to migrations. And with that, there is a migration minor. And um, we were wondering if you can share with our listeners a little bit about the, the background, um, what this minor is about, what unit it brings together. So all things migrations. Fantastic. I am so excited about um, the Global Grand Challenge and the Migrations Initiative um, because, in particular, I love, again, the journey and the pathway that brought us to this moment. It was an opportunity for faculty, students, experts across campus to come together and think about what space Cornell was uniquely positioned in to really make a difference, right? To think about the problems or the challenges that are confronting our global world and how we could bring together expertise to be able to understand and think about solutions or ways Uh of approaching those issues um, in a very cross-disciplinary way. And so I think that that's really an exciting initiative. There are many research projects that are coming out of it. Um, This year, we are also really combining the idea of studying migrations with Um, ideas about anti-racism and thinking about um, systemic injustice and the ways in which barriers and boundaries are constructed to mobility and what kinds of effects that has. So, you know, migrations gives us a very open and and capacious view of thinking Mm -hmm. about our world today, particularly when we are um, using this multi-species approach. So thinking about changes in our climate, um, habitats, environmental patterns and the ways in which that changes animal migration um, and and therefore also affects for for human migration but also the migration of ideas is incredibly Mm, relevant uh today the migration of microbes and (laughs) and pathogens right so thinking about all things in terms of um, mobility across Mm. borders both real and constructed so i think it's really an exciting topic and one that is very compelling to our undergraduate students Mm -hmm. um, who are now enrolled in the migration studies minor because they see the intersection of these topics. They see climate and mobility and borders and boundaries and identities as intimately wrapped up together. So they understand that complexity and they want to know more and they want to know how a really, you know, multidisciplinary approach to it, which they're able to get at the undergraduate mm-hmm. level, you know, have different types of courses in different parts of the university um, can help them to, to make sense of it. So the minor itself um, 
is really an exciting approach because there are a number of different kind of introductory courses that span this multidiscipline, multidisciplinary approach and mm-hmm. um, allow for Cornell faculty experts to give presentations and um, and share their knowledge with the students. Um, and, and that really, I think, brings the students into this exciting network yeah. of, of scholarly contributions. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to, uh, to approach this from a, from a multidisciplinary perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, this reminds me of the languages across the curriculum initiative that we have, where we also go beyond, you know, language classes per se, but we look at the discipline and we try to intermingle these different areas, disciplinary study and language study. Um, so hopefully we can, maybe add some language components to this minor in the future. Wouldn't that be great? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that that is such an important component in thinking about how we understand even what certain words mean Mm -hmm. in particular languages. There's a really compelling book about democracy in Senegal and arguing about what the word democracy means Mm -hmm. in Wolof, for example, Mm -hmm. um, which has a different kind of understanding and conception to citizens about making claims sure. upon the government. What else is happening at the Anaudi Center right now? What are your plans and your vision for the center? I think it's a really exciting time for the Anaudi Center in particular because I feel as though the need is is so evident. Mm-hmm. I think this particular moment and all of the challenges that we face really demonstrate the ways in which our world is absolutely interconnected and we must approach knowledge building and expertise by drawing upon global examples and global knowledge and the co-production of understanding. So I think, you know, that the moment in terms of thinking about addressing the pandemic, um, thinking about the interlinked chains of commerce that are being disrupted by the Mm -hmm. pandemic and the like really show us the ways in which international expertise is so relevant and necessary to our world today. And we're drawing upon that in a number of different initiatives, the Migrations Initiative being one of those. But another related um, initiative at the Anaudi Center that we've just launched is the Global Public Voices Fellows Program, in which we bring together Cornell faculty who are focused on the theme of global racial justice Mm. from across the college, to think about how and provide skills and infrastructure for them to be thought leaders and to disseminate their voices, the voices of experts working in this global framework to share with broader local and international audiences. And in that way, I think it's so important because so often we're trained in academia to be kind of very narrow disciplinary Uh knowledge and to speak to a very specific set of interlocutors. And yet we have so much to share, I think, and so much that we need to share in terms of thinking about the challenges of this moment. Um, And so this is a program that's really meant to lift the voices Uh of um, scholars who maybe certainly are unrepresented in terms of media um, profiles, right? Yeah. And to um, really elevate their voices um, to contribute to these contemporary debates. Uh That's wonderful. Where can people find out more about all these initiatives that are happening at your center? 
So I really encourage um, students in particular and faculty who are interested to check out our website at Cornell, the Anaudi Center's website. And um, also, if students are interested in getting involved in multiple ways, I encourage them to reach out to us via email because there are so many offerings for students, both in terms of thinking about language progression, putting their language to use in international settings, even in this moment when travel and mobility is mm -hmm. constrained and limited. We've really pivoted to offer virtual internships and um, research opportunities to work with faculty and partners at other universities across the world. So there are a lot of ways in which students can get involved and apply their language skills or think about these international yeah. thematic topics. Your podcast, Ufahamu Africa, is about life and politics on the African continent. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, what sort of uh, guests you have there and, and what the general arc of the podcast is? Absolutely. So I see this another as connected to the Global Public Voices Initiative, for example, a way of disseminating knowledge and sharing the voices of experts um, in terms of enhancing our understanding um, of, in this case, life and politics on the African continent. So we have usually a mix of guests, thinkers and makers um, who are studying um, and working in Africa um, and in general, our guests tend to be academics who might be, you know, have the new book out. We just have a really wonderful interview recently with um, Lisa Mueller at McAllister College on political protests and how mm -hmm. those relate to moments potentially of challenge, but also of optimism mm -hmm. surrounding public mobilization when voting procedures, for example, don't go the way that they think they should have. And so it's a way of claiming rights and claiming their voice um, and demanding that elections are more free and fair and, and work to represent the, the votes cast. So that's one example. We have this um, a recent episode with Nobel laureate Wole Schwenka from Nigeria, who's a really acclaimed writer, and he speaks to us about the idea of human dignity. So I think that's definitely an, an episode not to be missed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we encourage all of our listeners to check that out and are linking to your podcast in our show notes. Rachel, what final piece of advice would you have particularly for language educators who are interested in integrating migrations into their teaching? This is such a great question and thanks for bringing it up. The both the kind of possibility and challenge of this moment tie together to make virtual connections incredibly possible. And so in that way, wow. it's the mobility and the migration of ideas that I think offers itself up to language educators in particular to open their classrooms and connect with other virtual classrooms. For me, it's always been the application of language, you know, being able to converse with other students in another context, with other members of the community in another context. Yeah. And so there are so many resources right now in terms of being able to have these virtual worlds. In some ways, we're less limited by geographical space and expense and resources and boundaries. Um, and so I really encourage those ways of thinking about the human connection and tying that into language learning. Wonderful. All right. Well, before we sign off, we'd like to ask you to share your favorite word in a language you speak, love, or are learning. So please share this favorite word with us. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, there are so many words that I think have really made me ponder my what I take for granted in the English language as my first language. And so one example that I'd like to share today um, is the word jam, which in Wolof means peace. And what is interesting about this word is the way it's used in colloquial language as a way of showing respect in departing. So a way of saying goodbye. Rather than saying goodbye, people will say peace only or peace be with you. And I think it is really a beautiful way of offering an idea of not only well-being for the other, but for the whole of the community. Um, and so it's not a goodbye, but it's mm-hmm. a wish. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, Rachel. It's truly my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. With this episode, our sixth season of Speaking of Language comes to an end. We will be back in the new year with new topics and guests. In the meantime, you can listen to our archive shows on our website at lrc.cornell.edu, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We wish all our listeners a wonderful, safe holiday season. Until next year. Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.